Father, thank you for just being able to be in your presence. Well, I know I've not worshipped quite like that for a while. Thank you for that opportunity. Thank you, Jesus. Open our ears to your voice, Lord. speak into our hearts and help us Lord I don't even want to pray that you will change us Lord I pray that you would wake us up to where you have changed us so that we might actually change in practice to your glory Amen So, a little bit of context. Um, the different talks we've had at the encounters, and for the next couple as well, have been part of delivering the revelation that came sort of near the beginning of lockdown. Which is like bringing the revelation together from January and February, the beginning of the year, and then what then came in the beginning of lockdown... It's fascinating, we had an explosion of revelation in the middle end of March, and for a little while, and then it's it's all calmed, because he only speaks when we need to hear. Well, he speaks all the time, because we always need to hear, but you know what I mean? There's there's seasons when he goes, now, listen, right, now get on with that. So there are also seasons when we go, Lord, do we need more? And he's going, no, you've already got what I've given you. We had somebody once who came for prayer, prayer appointment after prayer appointment after prayer appointment who um, had the same revelation from every team and she wanted more and different. Actually, she wanted us to say a particular thing which we were never going to say. But actually, if we've got revelation and we're not acting on it, he probably won't give us any more because we've got revelation. So we need to act on that. And then he gives us the next bit, or the wider bit, or the, the bit from the other side, or whatever it is. So, the context is, we had three areas about being family. was the first thing, which is what we delivered on the church weekend away. And we've been delivering through home groups. That's what that's been all about, just in case you hadn't noticed. <laughs> then this stuff about being close to Father, and then there's stuff coming in September about being ready and ready for the revival revival is here but it's ready for the manifestation of that revival ready for the the wave if you want that's going to come that's going to be just as impactful as the pandemic and the economic issues and all the rest of it but in a very spiritual way. And we're going to see that wave coming in a completely different way. So they're the three bits of general revelation. So these encounters, if you remember back, if you've been, I started talking about fundamental father time, about needing to be in God's, in the Father's presence and being childlike. Somebody actually said to me this morning that um, their son doesn't like Christian faith because... You need child 
quote, childish rational thought to come to it. And I, I just went, well, yeah, Jesus says, be like a little child. That doesn't mean we're simplistic. It just means it's simple. It's straightforward. That's the father time. Chris talked about tearing down. Gave him the fun one. And then we've had, Vicky, you spoke about, no, I then spoke about repentance. Then you spoke about resetting. And Martin spoke a couple of weeks ago about recalibrating. Uh, much more technical phrase than I realized, but these are the words that have come. So today I'm talking about recovering. I just want to put it in context because in a way you need to connect it up to all of that. So if I don't say something that you think, well, why didn't he say so? Probably because it's been said. <coughs> so recover. That's the word I've got. Recover. <coughs> so dictionary. And this is the norm, these are the first few definitions of what it, what recover means. To get back to or to return to a previous better place. A former situation that was superior. Understand that. I understand that. But that's not quite what I'm going to talk about. You know, I'm looking at the uh, congregation here and thinking the example I had in my head is not going to play well. <laughs> you into football, Marcus? No, you see, it's not going to play well at all. Uh, so um, when an athlete has an injury, their aim is to get back to their full, to full fitness, to, to where they were. I was going to talk about the fact that Michael Owen lost his pace when he got badly injured. And half of you haven't got the foggiest idea who Michael Owen is. Some of you do. Some of you do. But he was never quite the same after. That's one way of thinking about recovery. Here's another definition. To improve after illness or setback or shock or trauma. Actually, I think that's what lots of people are hoping is going to happen after the pandemic, is that we will recover. We'll improve after the trauma of what's happened. We'll go back to. But actually, um, people are discovering now, oh, it's okay, people didn't lose their jobs at the beginning of the pandemic. No, no, they were on furlough. And now they're going back, they're losing their jobs, because the firms are realising they can't take everybody back. We might be in the situation where it's okay for us. But uh, I got an email just before we went away. Great. It was a wonderful email to get the day before we went away. The Oxford Diocese is looking to lose a third of its posts. Not just clergy. That's everybody at the diocese. Because its income has dropped so far in the last four months. So Leonard's, we're okay. But... It's a nice one. You could about to go on holiday, and right, third of you, third of my colleagues may lose their jobs. Uh, might be, hopefully, it won't be me. But you know, there you go. That, but we're hoping we're going to go back to what it was like, 
Like everybody talks about the new normal and all the rest of that, but actually they want to go back to what it was like. They want to be able to do everything they did before and continue to grow. I read something on, on the BBC website today. They, they, what is a recession? Right? Now, those of you who don't know, I used to teach economics, so I can define these things. And the first thing it said was, in normal times, we experience economic growth. Well, there's your problem. Because if you're expecting economic growth all the time, you're going to be sorely disappointed. Because economic, the economy does this. Now, yes, it does tend to do that. You know, for those listening without visual aids, I've done a, a switchback that actually moves up slightly. But there are down, there's a thing called the business cycle. Five years from the top of, a, of, of growth to the next top of growth. And in between, you go down and up again. Normal is to go down or up again, not to continually go up. But we've got used to things getting better. Especially if you're under 40. You don't remember the unemployment of the late 70s and early 80s. You don't remember what it was like. None of us in here remember what it was like between the wars and all the rest of that. Your unemployment was so bad in the 1930s, you know what brought about the solution? War. And the number of people dying, and therefore there were enough jobs to go around. Now, I'm not advocating that as a solution. But... You know, it, to expect everything just to get better and better and better and better is part of the Western rational liberal um, agenda. And it's just not true. It doesn't happen. So I don't mean that by recovery. Here's some other words for recover or recovery. Repair. Well, I don't want it repaired. I want something new. To make good, no, to resume. No, I don't want to resume, I want to do something different. To salvage, well, I get that, to recap. Mm. All these things are part of, as a Christian, we talk about recovery, but actually recovery is much, much more than that. We're not recovering from an illness. We're not recovering to improve. There's something more about recovery. Here's, the, here's one of the de- dictionary definitions of recover. Not from the Bible. Okay? It's a dictionary. To get back that which has been lost. I'm thinking, hello? Are they, are they reading Luke? <laughs> to regain, to recoup, to reclaim, to reacquire, to redeem, to retake. I'll put them reclaim again. Repossess, rediscover. Ah! Now, this is closer to what recover is about and what God wants us to hear. To take back what is ours, but we never knew we had. But now we know we've had. Now we know we're supposed to have had it. Guess what? We realize it's been stolen. One of the lads that plays basketball actually said to me the other day, he said, well, we we haven't done anything wrong unless we get caught. I had to stop and think about that one for a bit. But it is a, w- a way of thinking. If I get away with it, it's not, I haven't done anything wrong. Not true, of course, in God's sight. But if you don't know you had a box full of jewels, 
and somebody comes in and steals them from you, you have no idea that you've been robbed. So if you think you're nothing, if you think you're nobody, you think you're worthless, you think, then the enemy just goes, because you're not, you're an amazing creation in God's sight, but it's been stolen from you and you don't know it. You don't recognize it. So being that sort of person, having looked up synonyms for recover, I looked up the antonyms. I looked up what the opposite of recover means. To break, to damage, to destroy, to forfeit, to harm, to hurt, to injure, to lose. So actually, if we're going to recover the truth that God has for us, we need to recognize that we've lost it, that we've been injured, we've been hurt, we've forfeited what was ours. Now, I mean, that's a great word to use to talk about the fall. We forfeited what was ours. In Eden, Adam and Eve, whether you take it literally or as a, a, a picture story, I don't mind, but Ad, the human race had dominion over the whole planet. And by dominion, I don't mean control to their own ends. By dominion, I mean they had stewardship. They, they had the whole of creation. And what is biting us hard now? Creation. The virus is, a, is creation. Global warming is creation going, uh, excuse me, have enough of that. Can you, can you stop doing that, please? Hurts. And all the things we're facing are creation turning around going, why? Why? But we lost, we lost dominion. We forfeited authority. In the physical and the spiritual realms. So what has been broken? What is lost? What is destroyed? What is damaged? <clears throat> I've done the Eden thing but, and Dominion thing, but actually I think the fundamental thing that's lost is relationship. And it's relationship with God first. And it's then relationship with each other. And somewhere between those two is the relationship with ourselves. That doesn't come last. That comes somewhere between the relationship with God and the relationship with others. What we're very good at as Bible-believing Christians, we're very good at going, we've got to get right with God. Yeah, hallelujah. Right, now let's get right with other people and, and preach the gospel. Even though we're really broken and really screwed up. And actually, when we preach the gospel like that, we give out a really bad image of what God is like. Because all they, all people see is our brokenness. Now please, that's okay because beauty and brokenness and God takes our brokenness and uses it and all that. So I'm not saying that, that we shouldn't be broken. But we work on our relationship, our relationship with God first and then our relationship with ourselves. If we think we have to keep pleasing God, because we don't get grace because we're full of fear and we're full of insignificance and we're full of unbelief that Chris was talking about this morning. Uh, Chris was brilliant. Peter Flory was fabulous at nine o'clock on unbelief. Wish we'd recorded that one. Never mind. Uh, but Chris was absolutely great as well. But if, if we're full of all those things, if we think we have to 
make God love us. It doesn't matter how much we say to people, God loves you, it doesn't matter. If we're living, only if I do well will God love me, that's what they will hear. Because our actions speak louder than our words. So they, you know, people come back and go, well, the church is horrible because it's against this, 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 and this. Well, that's because we talk about this, 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 and this, rather than talking about all the positive and the good things and the amazing things. The church is anti-gay, is anti-women, is anti-black, is anti-whatever. And we're not. Well, the church isn't. God isn't. Some of the people in the church are. And it comes across. The church is controlling. I listened to something on the radio today, yesterday, can't remember when. This guy, I think it was this morning coming to, coming to the nine o'clock. This guy was saying that a black American guy was saying his grandfather, who'd been brought up as a Christian, in the 1910s and 20s in, in southern states of America, wept when his grandson became a Christian. Not with joy, but with tears of frustration and anger. Because for his grandfather, the church meant the Ku Klux Klan. The Ku Klux Klan, who were there, who um, killed several of this guy's relatives, under a banner that says, Jesus saves was the church looking like then but this guy came to a point of realizing that that was the people and Jesus was different and he came and he spent his time trying to persuade his grandfather of the difference but it was his grandfather couldn't couldn't go back and the guy was saying and my grandfather died rejecting Jesus he said and it's taken me years to work that one through And he's only rejected Jesus because of the way the church treated him. Oh. We've got to recover the truth. So, Luke 19 and verse 10 says this. Who's got that one? For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Thank you. In the NIV, yeah, it says, the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. I'm afraid the NIV has screwed up the translation. Bless them. The Greek does not say that it came to seek and save the lost. The people who translated the NIV had a certain agenda, which was from our end of life. They wanted to be evangelistic and they wanted to reach people with the gospel. So they translated that, the lost. When you think that the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost, what do you think of when we talk about the lost? People who don't know Jesus. The Greek says, and the New King James Version translates it like this, as of the, the original King James, as does various other translations. The Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost. That which was lost. 
And it doesn't use the words that it would normally use about people. It's talking about stuff. Which includes people. But what else was lost? Authority, dominion, identity, relationships. All of that was lost. And the Son of Man came to seek and save, to recover that which was lost. To take back, to get back that which had been lost. But the word lost there means destroyed. All those words, all those antonyms that we have. Destroyed, forfeited, got rid of. But if we think it's just about people, then we're not bothered about getting back our identity. We're not bothered about the planet. I've actually read several Christian books that say we shouldn't be involved in ecological issues. Don't shout and scream. We shouldn't be involved in ecological because we could, we should save, we should get people saved and this late great planet Earth is, is going for destruction and therefore let's just get people saved before it does blow up. No, actually, this is, this is supposed to be our home when we're supposed to have dominion over it and we're supposed to look after it. So actually let's have that restored. And get people saved. As ever, I don't want one or the other, I want both. Yeah? You know it's a Winnie, Winnie the Pooh anointing, that, don't you? Yes, do you want honey or condensed milk on your bread? That's where it comes from. And he says, yes, please. Oh, but don't worry about the bread. It's just, yeah. If it's there, if it's on the menu, I want it. I want it all. So what does Luke 19.10? Three things, quickly. One, it's God's initiative. This recovery is God's initiative. He, the Son of Man, Jesus, came to seek. He came to seek. That's active. You know, he didn't come, stand there and go, well, come to me and we'll sort it out. Well, actually, just him coming to earth. Not considering equality with his Father something to be grasped, but empty. Oh, we're back into Philippians 2 again. He he came to seek. He's put himself out. And that's just to be born. Let alone grow, teach, have his disciples let him down, have the Pharisees bully him, blah, 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 the Romans crucify him. You know, he has done. It's God's initiative. Recovery. First thing. Second, it's his action. He's come to save. That's the sozo word. He's come to save, to bring salvation, yes, but to bring wholeness, to bring recovery, to bring healing in all of its senses. To deal with our asthenos, to deal with our iniquities, deal with our sin, to deal with our sickness, to deal with absolutely every flipping thing that we've lost. He's come to get it back. It's his initiative and his action. Not ours, it's his action. And what's his intention to get back that which was lost? God's initiative, 
God's action, God's intention, recovery. For the Son of Man came to seek and save that which was... Can you all get a bit of thing and just put it over that bit in the Bible and, and write the proper translation in? It would help. But you can't edit your Bible. I guess if, if we were able to edit the Bible, that would go wrong quite quickly, wouldn't it? So maybe not. But there's, there's not many places. There's just a few places where you just go, oh, why did you trans... And they translated it like that for what they felt was good reason. But it's missing. It's missing something. So have you got that? Recovery is God's plan. His initiative is action and his attention, intention. And here's Luke 4.18. This is Jesus standing up in Nazareth saying, this is what I'm all about. It's called the, um, the Nazarene Manifesto, the Kingdom Manifesto. Because it's said at Nazareth, and this is what, what he's about. It's the beginning of his ministry. Is it just 18 and 19? And 20. And 20. The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. That was 20. Quoting from Isaiah. Spirit of the Lord is upon me. This is God's manifesto. This, In a way, this is his call to us. Because if Jesus dwells in us, then this is what we're about. Go again. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Sorry. <laughs> because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Stop there. He has anointed me. This is the first thing about God's manifesto or God's call. It's his design. It's from the Spirit. He has anointed me. Are you anointed? Yeah, you are. I don't feel like it. Well, you are. Because if you're indwelt by the Holy Spirit, then you're anointed. You are anointed. That anointing may not be manifesting right at the moment. It might not be, but you are anointed. So it's from his Spirit, God's empowering presence within you. Who is a person? Who is a person? He's not a power pack that we plug into. He doesn't make our ideas better. He doesn't, he speaks to us, tells us what to do, points us to Jesus, makes us more like Jesus, gives us the power to change things. He never goes, Vicky, you need to change this and this, without knowing he has already given you the power and the authority and the resources you need to do this, this and this. So when we go, God's asked me to do this, I, I can't do that. No, you can't, but he hasn't asked you to do anything he hasn't empowered you and equipped you for. Because he wouldn't. So if you're called to do something, you're already equipped. You don't have to train for it. He says... I'm trying very, very hard not to look at Vicky at this point. <laughs> You've written it down. Somebody else gave you that. 
You are equipped. You are already equipped. Training, what training for, for ordination should be about really is about having time and space to allow what equipping is within to, to actually come out. Proper educare, proper education, drawing out what is in there. Not somebody going, you should do it this way, you should try that, you should do this, you do. It's not, it doesn't work. Because you try and do ministry their way rather than the way God wants you to do it. It doesn't work because I'm not whoever it is who's teaching me. Well, it's when my training incumbent actually said to me, we, I, you need to spend more time in this job so you can become more like me. When I already wanted to leave, and I, at that point I was like, I'm, I'm out of here as soon as I possibly can. Because you would have loved that, wouldn't you? If I'd become more like my training incumbent. <laughs> What's God's target in this? Who is he doing? Can we do 19 and 20 again? Um, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. There we go, there's one target, the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. Target number two, prisoners. And recovery of sight for the blind. Target number three, the blind. To set the oppressed free. The oppressed. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. The poor. His target is the poor, the prisoners, the blind, and the oppressed. That's the elite of the world, isn't it? That's those in power and authority and politics and, and business. And that's who he wants to get. The poor, the blind, the oppressed. Of course, actually, we are all poor in spirit, so we need to recognize that. We're all blind to the truth, so we need to recognize that. We're all oppressed by the enemy. And we need to recognize that. A friend of mine posted something on Facebook about the devil, something, blah, 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 and got this whoosh of, why are you talking about the devil? Jesus has defeated the devil, blah, 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 blah. And this guy just came straight back and went, interesting, every time I quote from scripture about the devil, people have a go at me. The best lie he, the devil can get us to believe is that we just have to ignore him. His target is the poor, the prisoners, the blind, and the oppressed. We are prisoners to our sinful behavior. We are poor because we are empty and need what God is going to give us. We are blind because we don't see the truth and we are oppressed by the enemy. So actually our ministry is, isn't just beyond the church. It's all those people out there who are blind, poor, oppressed. Huh? The ministry starts here. And actually the ministry is no different. And when we start recognizing that we're blind, poor, oppressed, and all the rest of it, and start actually saying to other people out there, we're like you, not we're better than you, well, we might connect. Who knows? And the last thing, what is his promise? We've just heard Kathy read it again. It's good news. It's freedom. It's sight. It's favor. So we've got God's plan. 
It's his initiative, action, and intention. We've got his manifesto. It's his design, his targets, his promise. Last thing. It's our freedom. It's our freedom, our life. It's his free gift. That's what he wants to recover. And the recovery starts with us. Well, actually, not with us. With me. With you, singular. Oh, that's very selfish. Christians should know. It's not selfish. It's actually the best thing we can do. If we start to recover and start to restore what is in us, sorry, treading on Chris's toes in a couple of weeks, well, it's the beginning of September, which is on restoration rather than recovery. If we start to walk in that, then we'll be more heavenly good out in the world. It's our experience that comes next. Not, and it is not, it is not, it is not, it is not. You could get in this one. It is not. What do I need to do? Because we've spent too many years going, well, what do I need to do? I need to serve. I need to get that right. I need to sort that out. I need to do that better. I need to do this different. No. It's what do I need to experience? What do I need to hear? What do I need to embrace? What is God saying to me? What is God working on with me? There's a couple of verses between these two events. Paul gets, sorry, Saul of Tarsus gets struck blind. Yep. And then we see him not many verses later being released into ministry. How many years did we decide that was, Martin? Was it you I was talking to? Yeah, it could be 17 years between those two events. And God had taken him to one side to work on him. And he was full of the Old Testament as a Pharisee. But he had 17 years not doing anything. And then he was St. Paul. Well, no, he was already St. Paul. But you know what I mean? Then he did those amazing journeys and those amazing missions. He didn't go, right, I'm a Christian, let's go! Now, please, that doesn't mean we don't do mission and stuff when we're young Christians and all the rest of it. But if we're so mission-minded, we forget our own restoration. It ain't going to work. It's, it's, we'll fall apart. As a church, we need to walk into not just recovery from what's happened, but to recover what is ours in Christ. So we're going to go into a little bit of worship again. I'm going to just ask the Lord these questions. In what areas of my life do I need to recover? What truths, experiences do I need to recover? Do I need to know again I'm loved? Do I need to know again I'm free? Do I need to know again I'm forgiven? Whatever it is for you. What do I need to hear, Lord? It's only as we do that that we can say the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to proclaim good news to all of creation and to the ends of the earth. That's the hope the world needs. It starts with us in the Father's presence, recovering what is ours in him. Let's do that.